0: Thank you so much, praise team. Uh, that's the That was the perfect uh, worship song for uh, this weekend for us as we're going to be talking about kingdom surrender. And we were talking about the, this high place of surrender. We think of surrender as a low place, but it's such an amazing high place when we find it. And we're going to be looking at that uh We've, uh, for the past nine months or so, been studying through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we've come nearly to the end. We're almost done uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been looking at these last five keys to seeing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom prayer, kingdom focus, kingdom authenticity. And on this weekend, we're looking at kingdom surrender, the nature of lordship. Um, the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount is all about choices. And it shouldn't really surprise us if you think about it. A really good sermon is going to call you to make a choice. We preach for a verdict. We come to the conclusion, and it's like, well, what are you going to do? And that's exactly what Jesus was uh, doing here as we came to the conclusion. And it was all about choices. There are two ways What road will I take? There's one with a narrow gate, and there's one with a wide gate. The narrow gate leads to a, a difficult road, and that's the road that Jesus wants to take us on. There's one with a wide gate. It's easy. There's lots of people there. And that's not the way. That way, he says, leads to destruction. There are two voices. Who will I listen to when I'm on this journey? The teacher of truth or the teacher of falsehood? We looked at that. Last week, and then we're going to consider two claims. What is my real commitment? Is it lip service or lordship is, is what we're going to come down to here. And next weekend, we're going to be looking at the final conclusion of this sermon. And he talks about two builders. Will I build on rock or build on sand? So let's hear the word of God. Isn't it marvelous that Jesus talks to us right here, right now? And so we're going to hear the word of God, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Jesus is continuing on, he's leading to his conclusion, and this is part of it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know few places in the Bible where I need to hear more from you than this. And so God, I pray that you will illumine us and show us and teach us Help us to understand these words from long ago that come across to us today. May we hear you and hear your heart and hear your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Verses 15 through 20 that we looked at last weekend dealt with false prophets, the The ones who come among you looking and sounding great, but lead you astray. He said they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. And on this weekend, the next few verses, verses 21 through 23, deal with false followers. A a different kind of place of falsehood. Those who have all the right words and even the right actions, or at least they appear to have everything together, and yet will not enter the kingdom and... We need to know a bit more about this. Jesus says really plainly that not everyone who says the password will get admitted. I don't know if you've ever been kept out because you couldn't get the right password. And and they seem to have the right password, but they are not being admitted. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that would seem to be the right thing to say, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And for those of us who claim to be believers... Uh, this could be, uh, or we could hear this as the most frightening statement in the whole New Testament. Uh, I've, I've thought that many times. It is certainly the most sobering statement that we would find in the New Testament. So who are these false followers who will not be admitted? Uh, don't you say you wouldn't want to know? Inquiring minds want to know, right? Um, They have the right words, Lord, Lord, and they have an implied fervency. They're just like, they seem even emotional about this. Um, And they protest, Uh, they appeal this denial of their admission. They claim to have the right actions. They seem to have the right actions. Dramatic demonstrations of power seem to have power. They prophesy, they preach in your name. They, They, you know, they seem to be saying, preaching the right things and they cast out demons in your name that's a pretty big deal Uh, and do mighty works in your name and yet apparently something is missing we need to know what it is now who are they these false followers may have been seduced by the false prophets or preachers or teachers that we talked about just led onto the wrong road they they seem to be saying the right things doing at least some of the right things they may have started in the right direction, but then were led astray. We talked about that last weekend. They may have even picked up the right words. Through, how many of you know you can pick up the right words? You know, there, Through religious training. There's, In fact, there's whole sets of right words. The catechisms are the whole set of right words. If you memorize the catechisms, then you, you would seem to have all the right words. And yet they are not finding themselves at the right place at the end of this. Now a question that, that you may have in your mind, is this about not getting into heaven? I mean, it's a pretty big deal. It's this about losing one's salvation. And we know that uh, Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven in a particular way. Uh, he uses it in exchange for kingdom of God, uh, out of reverence for the name of God. He, he Among Jewish people, they. They tried to not use the name of God very much because they didn't want to somehow be irreverent or, or somehow, uh, make dirty the name of God. They did not want to do that. So he always called kingdom of God. He called it kingdom of heaven, especially in writing things down. So could this be about uh, not walking fully in the kingdom of God that Jesus declares? We know that not everybody will work, will walk fully in the kingdom of God. And so, so we would need to know about that. Uh, or is this something more uh, about kingdom of heaven and not entering the kingdom of heaven? Now, we want to be sure we understand Jesus taught that we have eternal security in him. John 10, uh, beginning in verse 28, says, I love this, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand and I and the Father are one. So if you are His, nobody's going to snatch you out of His hand. Someone say hallelujah. Yeah, that's really good news. And yet we have this phrase, on that day I will declare depart from me. Now that sounds like the day of final judgment that's I mean it, it can't sound like anything else and uh, and this is part of the message that we uh, that we don't want to miss we don't want to miss this and he even he says many will be told to depart I, I mean I'm not comfortable with that you may not be comfortable with that but this is what Jesus said the Greek word is uh, polus. It's, uh, it means a great, a large, a plenteous number. It's where we get the word, uh, the words like political and, and uh, metropolis. This is where that comes from. And he, there, there's going to be a lot of people who think that saying the right words is the ticket. If I say the right words, or if I said the right words at a certain point, I, I, I must be in. And it's difficult because even this phrase, this utterance, Lord, Lord, can be misunderstood. Early in the ministry of Jesus, uh, the word Lord is used. We find it used as a title of respect. Some will come around and they'll say, Lord, would you please answer this question? And really what they mean is, sir, c- could I ask you a question? It's, uh, it's like, sir, sir, could I ask you It's a respectful thing. But as the ministry of Jesus unfolded, the title Lord was used more and more as a recognition of connection that Jesus had as God with the power of God and with the kingdom of God. We see it more and more on through to where Lord uh, later in the ministry of Jesus and later in the New Testament came to reflect the divine nature of Jesus as son of man, son of God. And it's connected even to the parts of the Old Testament that say, Lord God, that's a translation of Adonai. It's one of the names of God. So who are these false followers and, and how did they get off track? They, they might be a faker or a fraud um, trying to act and, in, in a way that would allow them to steal or come in and, and, um, and take advantage. They may be a fool Someone deluded by a false gospel. There are false gospels out there. But a false follower may simply be someone who did not understand what we're talking about tonight. Lordship. What is that about? They might have been referring to Jesus with a kind of worldly respect. Sir, sir, I I think I got the words right. But they don't understand the type of surrender that Jesus calls for in his disciples. I want to suggest to you something that uh, I've never phrased it this way, and, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I would suggest to you that we have a Lord and Savior problem in the church. Now, what do I mean by that? If we think about it very much, we realize that we live in a Christian culture, maybe especially in the last 40, 50, 60 years, that's marked by that phrase, Lord and Savior, or Savior and Lord. We've heard it a lot. It's part of a prayer that probably many of us prayed called a sinner's prayer, when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we're eager to do that. I have led a prayer, a sinner's prayer, or something like it, Hundreds, if not thousands, of times during my ministry, you probably have prayed that prayer or or even led people in that prayer. There are different versions of it. The Lord and Savior prayers. One of the most famous is the one written by and used by Billy Graham. It, it goes like this: "Dear Lord Jesus," it starts out with the word "Lord" as a confession. I know that I am a sinner. There's confession, and I ask for your forgiveness. I'm seeking forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior in your name. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a fabulous prayer. Uh, Different versions of that prayer uh, are are known. There's another one. I I have some of these in your notes, but the Campus Crusade prayer is very similar. That's closer to the one that I prayed when I became uh, a Christian when I was in about the ninth grade. Uh, There's a Greg Laurie is a well-known evangelist, and he has a different, little bit different version of it. But all of them have that that phrase. I'm receiving you as Lord and Savior. Well, what does that mean? We probably prayed the prayer without really knowing what it entails. We knew that we wanted salvation. Uh, We knew that we wanted that. Uh, But we didn't really have a clue what lordship meant. I'll say that the salvation, half of it is really easy. The lordship part is the hard part. And if you've walked with the Lord very long, you know that. We might accept the gift of salvation and profess Jesus as Savior, but knowing him as Lord is really quite another thing. And it's a journey that takes time. But Savior and Lord go together. They have to go together. Uh, you know, I thought about it some this week. Can you know Him, have him as Savior but not your Lord? No. Can you have him as Lord and him not be your Savior? No, I don't think so. And the Savior part, I would say, is an instant in which we trust the work of Jesus. And that's what that prayer is about. I'm going to trust the work of Jesus and receive his gift of salvation by grace through faith. Hallelujah. I hope and pray that you have done that. If not, I pray that you will soon. But the Lord part of the journey is the rest of your life. And, and we find ourselves revisiting the issue of lordship again and again because different areas of our life come up. We, we discover an area. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but if you discover an area. Uh, apparently I did not make Jesus lord of that area. And I need to now. So these verses uh, reveal that true lordship is a relationship of absolute surrender. We don't come to that... Absolutely, instantly, it is a journey. And there are three parts of it in, the, in these simple three verses. Doing the will of the Father, that's a surrender of my will. Knowing Jesus and being known by him, that's a surrender of my heart. And doing works of righteousness, that's a surrender of my life, really, everything. And so I, I just want to talk about those a little bit. The first is doing the will of the Father, true repentance. Uh, this oral confession, this verbal confession of Jesus as Lord, Lord, can actually mask an unrepentant heart. I, I've known people that they, they had the right words, but there's an unrepentant, obviously unrepentant uh, area of their life that they have not turned over. An entrance to the kingdom is reserved for those who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Jesus said it a little bit differently in Luke chapter 6. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Wow, that's very, very direct. That's the definition of genuine repentance. We have all these different ideas about repentance. Well, it's if I cry a lot, or if I get emotional, or the music really moved me, or something like that. That's not repentance. Repentance, we know, is to turn around and turn toward God and do His will. And do his will, is what Jesus is saying here. It's not just a a, a little course correction. Lordship is is that posture that says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's what it is. The second is that, is knowing and being known by Jesus. That is true salvation. These words are so, uh, I mean, they're really rather piercing. I never knew you. There's a lot of things I don't want to hear from Jesus. O oh, ye of little faith, I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, wh- why did you not stay up <laughs> and pray? I don't want to hear that. But this one, depart from me, I never knew you, is something I, none of us ever wants to hear. Now, the Greek word that he uses here is gnosko. It means to know by experience, to understand, to know and be known. It's one of the most intimate words in the Bible. And Jesus used it a number of times. John 10, 14, he said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. If you're my sheep, I know you. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's the relationship, to know and be known. John ten twenty seven. my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. How? They, we've been talking a lot. We, we've been in relationship. It's not hard for them to know which way to go because they've been listening. How do you listen? You listen in the word of God. You listen in prayer. You listen by communing with him. And I know them and they follow me. How do they follow you, Jesus? Because they know my voice. And instead of those marvelous statements, Jesus says, I never knew you. You never took the time for us to get to know each other. Someone told you to make a confession and to to use those, Lord, to pray this prayer. And you grabbed your goodie bag of salvation and headed for the door. It doesn't work like that. We never talked after that. Jesus said it a little bit differently in Mark chapter 7. He says, These people honor me with their lips, but in their hearts are far from me. Wow. I don't want that to be a description of me. Jesus wants more than lip service. Than just saying things that sound religious. Singing the songs that sound really faithful. Jesus wants Your heart. I want to know you and I want you to know me. He wants you to so carefully learn his voice that you never lack confidence. How did you know to do that? I just know his voice. It didn't seem like the right thing, but I know his voice. I I know which way to go. He wants you to know him and to be known by him. The third is doing works of righteousness. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That sounds really good. Cast out demons in your name. That sounds really, really great. And do many mighty works in your name. That sounds like really powerful. And then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Workers of lawlessness. We might say, but but wait, I, I didn't break the law. I wasn't breaking the law. But listen, this is really important. If we operate outside of the will and direction of God, we are outside of the law. It may look really good. It may seem really good to us. The first law, the most important law, Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we're outside of that, we are working in lawlessness. But I was doing really good things. Yeah, but you weren't doing the things I wanted you to do. I have better stuff for you to do. When we go our own way, we are walking in lawlessness. Jesus said that the second great law is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. When we love ourselves, our lives, more than others, we are lawless. So we want to be careful of that. Works of lawlessness flow out of a life surrendered only to self and we can have all all of the we can have all of the look and all the action and the words and yet not be surrendered to the Lord. We can be only surrendered to self. I'm going to do it my way. Works of righteousness flow out of a relationship with Jesus. They may not even be the things that you would have thought up most to do. Works of righteousness are not things you dreamed up that, that you thought would look righteous. Works of lawlessness are those works that we do my way rather than the will of God. It may may have even been in the right direction, but I decided to do it my way. So we finally realize that repentance looks like this. Repentance is the realignment of life with the direction of God. It's it's with the direction and the way of God. Repentance is so much more than a one-time event of sorrowful confession. Yeah, I repented back in 1973. Sure, glad I got that out of the way. No. Repentance, I would suggest to you, is daily and more than daily. It's an all-the-time thing. As we readjust, as we turn, as we come on course with what He wants. It's a daily surrender to the will of the Father. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16. He said, For whoever would save his life, take hold of his own life... Take control of his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, lets go of his life for my sake, will find it. That's where you'll find life. When we take hold of our own life to shape it and to form it outside of seeking the will of the Father, we walk in lawlessness. It may not even seem like lawlessness. And the truth is, to to find where we are supposed to be, we must be willing to continually surrender our limited views, our limited ideas about who we we are, identity, and look to Jesus. He will tell us who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? You're really quiet tonight. I guess it's one of those kinds of scriptures. The truth is that the work of Jesus has planned for you, is righteous, and it's beyond anything that you could imagine. I love this passage of Scripture in Ephesians 2. We usually read 8 and 9, and we were studying in our, in our overcomer studies this week. We're studying verse 10, which is really marvelous. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. We, we, all, we, we talk about this. Pastor Mike mentioned it just a few minutes ago. But listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has a plan. He has works for you. Why would we get off track doing the things that we think are, are, are the things we should be doing? You see the truth is that when we talk about works, works that that appear spiritually powerful but are not the will of the Father or not empowered by a relationship with Jesus are works of lawlessness. And works that are the will of the Father and empowered by a relationship with Jesus are works of righteousness. That's the difference. And so it really comes down to this choice and I've just labeled it this way, the choice between lip service and lordship. Is it just talk? Or is it genuine surrender? And we really don't want to misunderstand. Confession with the mouth is so important. Romans 10 says it. If you confess with your mouth, it's so important that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is is the transition of the heart. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Our salvation comes when we know him as Lord. And how is that? We confess that with our mouth. We believe and trust in our hearts. We surrender to him as Lord. And surrender is a full-time job. It's what we're going to be doing the rest of our earthly lives. So the question I would ask this weekend, you know, for us to ask of ourselves, is Jesus really Lord of your life? It's a really important thing. Is he Lord, We kind of fill in the blank, is he Lord of your home? Is he Lord of your time? Uh, is he Lord of your energy? When, when he asks for some time or some energy, do, do you say, no, 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 I, I don't think I want to give that. Is he lord of your decisions? No, I want to hang on to those decisions. I think I'm smarter than you, God. How's that working for you? <laughs> is he lord of your wardrobe and your transportation, the lord of your finances? Is he lord of your media? The things that you consume, is he lord of your eyes? Is he lord of your of your body? Is he lord of your sexuality? Is he lord of your politics? And there are many, many more areas. Because if we think about it, if we if we meditate with the Lord for a while, we probably will discover maybe a few areas that we have not surrendered. And there may be one that we just know, okay, I get it, God. That's, that's the area I always try to hide from you and realize I can't hide from you. That's the part of my life I'd rather not talk about. That's the thing I've been hanging on to. And I would suggest to you it's time. I think when we come to the conclusion of Jesus' sermon, <laughs> he's making it very, very clear that it's time. I was praying and meditating over this, and I and I wrote a prayer. And as you know, I do that sometimes. And uh, it's very different from any prayer that I've written before. It begins with the words, Lord, Lord. Lord. And I would love for you to pray this. It's in your your notes. It's easy to get a hold of. But um, I would love for you to pray this. But but don't pray it if if it's not a point of surrender for you. Because that would just be lip service. And that's not what he wants. You might want to take this home and just having meditated on it, you might want to go home alone and say, okay, 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 okay. God, (laughs) I get it. I get what Jesus was saying, and I really, really want to surrender. So I invite you, if you would like to pray this aloud with me, you don't have to, but I invite you to use this as a time of surrender. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I want to take that word more seriously than ever. I want my relationship with you to be more than just words. I want to surrender everything. Yes, even that thing that you and I know I have held back. I have been trying to do my life my way for far too long. In my life, I want to do your will in your way, in your time. I want to know you more closely than ever. I want to be known by you. I desire to walk in accordance with your word and your ways. No more lip service. I want true lordship in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you that you are so gracious and patient. And that you wait for us to pray a prayer like this. That we might know you as Savior that gift that we can never work for and never deserve, and as Lord, that journey of surrender for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.